Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Family Law Talk. Family Law Talk. Presented by Kirk Stangy of Stangy Law Firm, PC. Stangy Law Firm is a multi-state family law firm. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stangy. Welcome to Family Law Talk. Uh, the topic we have today is an interesting one, and the title is Opposing Counsel is Not Your Friend. It's a follow-up to the episode today. Go on over to FamilyLawHeadquarters.com. Check out the article dated June 25, 2023, and the title of that article is Don't Try to Convince Opposing Counsel. So that'll be a good follow-up to the episode here today, but let's go ahead and jump in. In divorce and family law litigation, uh, most parties hire an attorney. So if it's a husband and a wife going through a divorce, let's say both parties have an attorney, and, and this would be the case for any kind of family law litigation. Both sides normally seek out legal representation uh, to represent them uh, in their case. And, and the mindset that some individuals can can fall into, and look, and I'll say this isn't everybody. Some people are kind of the opposite of this. And they're really skeptical out of the gates, and, and uh, they don't have this mindset. But there's a certain number of folks, perhaps a minority, but they fall into this mindset of, of wanting to convince the opposing counsel that they're right, uh, maybe that they've done nothing wrong, that their position is the right position, you name it. And so versus viewing the other lawyer as a paid advocate, uh, for their spouse, the ex-spouse, or the other party, they view this person as somebody that they want to convince, somebody they want to persuade. In the thought process, in the mind of some, is that if they can convince this opposing counsel that they're right, that they're correct, then this lawyer will talk to their client, who is the spouse, the ex-spouse, or the opposing party, and have like a talk with them, like, look, you ought to settle uh, the other party's right. The other party's correct. You know, the other party uh, made some arguments that were persuasive to me. And then the hope is that the case can resolve, the case can end, and the case will be over. And, and, and this is had by convincing the opposing counsel to, in essence, talk sense to the other party, right? Kind of have that awakening talk, uh, if you will. Uh, with their client in order to get them to be reasonable to settle the case, okay? So in terms of how this can take place in litigation when parties fall into this mindset, and look, it can happen in different ways, and I guess I should just preface this as well by saying we're talking here like contested cases, cases that don't look like uh, they're going to settle out of the gates. You know, the parties' positions are very adverse to one another, uh, if you will. And, and that could be the case in, in really a number of ways and on a number of issues. But we're talking cases that are going to be litigated that don't look like they're going to settle, at least not going to settle quickly. So in terms of how this can then take place where a party falls into this mistaken mindset, look, they can do it, let's say, in a deposition. Right, The other attorneys deposing them, asking them questions under oath. For those of you that don't know, I mean, depositions normally take place in, in one of the attorney's office, and they could take place at another neutral location as well, but typically outside of a courthouse, and could be the opposing attorney is deposing them, asking them questions, asking them their side of the story, if you will. Okay, Now, look, in some cases, the opposing counsel can be, hostile like sort of openly hostile like maybe aggressive even and in these circumstances a party then is not prone to sort of fall into this mindset because they can instantly say look the other attorney looks aggressive and 
and looks upset or angry even in a way. And so, yeah, I get that this other lawyer isn't my friend. But look, some lawyers can appear very nice. They can appear very friendly, congenial, if you will. And to give you sort of a metaphor, they can come off sort of like good cop, where they're just trying to get your side of the story. You know, they want you to open up in a deposition and tell them, you know, everything uh, that's on your mind, uh, you know, all the facts that, that really justify uh, your opinion or the basis is for your opinion or whatnot, okay? So, look, obviously in a deposition, uh, it's important to speak to your lawyer and, and get the legal advice from your lawyer who's representing uh, you in your case. But as a general rule, uh, a good deposition mindset is to answer the questions posed uh, to 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 you or you know any of the listeners here. I mean, answer the questions posed in a truthful and accurate manner. Uh, but when when folks fall into the fi- false mindset of trying to convince opposing counsel, what they can do is start volunteering things. Right? It wasn't even a question posed of them, but they just start volunteering stuff. You know, in essence, their mouth is just moving and stuff is coming out of it, and a lot of it is not remotely responsive to the questions being asked, or, or maybe they're responsive in a way, but they go way far and above what was asked, and it almost sort of comes off as sort of a plea, you know, like, look, let me give you these facts, let me give you these details, let me tell you these arguments, and please talk to your client to get them to settle or whatnot, right? So it's just divulging information that wasn't even inquired of in the deposition, okay? So it's important for parties not to do that in most instances in a deposition. In most instances, it makes sense. Look, answer the questions posed uh, upon, you know, upon uh, a party. It's good for a party to answer these literally, to answer these factually, to answer these honestly, but to not go above and beyond and in, in, in telling the opposing attorney, you know, two, three, four, five, ten other things that were not really part of the question, okay, with the hope that the other, the other attorney is then going to talk sense to the client. Look, almost always a mistake. All right, other examples. You know, interrogatories, requests for production, you know, discovery in divorce and family law litigation. Common, common in the contested cases where party and interrogatories is asked to, to answer questions, specific questions posed to them, and then with requests for productions, they're asked to produce documents and evidence. And again, it's important for any party going through a divorce or family law matter to speak to their attorney, get specific advice. But again, in a general sense, what normally makes sense is in terms of the relevant discovery, you know, answering it literally, answering it honestly, uh, answering it truthfully, but sticking to the specific request. Again, sometimes parties can be... Um, for whatever reason, they can be tempted to give more, to say more, to volunteer stuff that, that wasn't even part of the discovery request, right? And again, they do it with this mindset of, of this, which is, look, if you only knew about X, Y, or Z, then you would know that your client is incorrect about their perspective, and then would you please tell your client uh, to settle this case and do things my way, in essence, right? Again, sort of a false mindset and ultimately uh, not real helpful. This can also happen uh, in settlement negotiations. You know, so parties send settlement letters back and forth. And again, this is fact-specific, and and an individual needs to speak with their attorney uh, in terms of how to approach this in their particular case. But in a general sense, given some facts, given some details, that can be important. And, And certainly the facts and the details needed in order to get, you know, 
to get a party to settle, to have enough information to want to settle, to desire to settle, to settle feeling like uh, they know all the facts, that can be a good thing. But it, it, in, in a way and at times, some parties can be tempted, again, to go above and beyond that. They start giving details, facts, circumstances that aren't really needed to settle the case. Right, it's not really needed, it's not really necessary, it's sort of above and beyond it. And in fact, it's information that in theory you know, could be used if the case doesn't settle, if it goes to trial, but a party divulges, gives up the information. Again, with this idea of just sort of being over-eager to settle the case. And by doing that, uh, again, it can ultimately be a mistake for a lot of, for a lot of parties. So, you know, if, if you know, a not trying to convince opposing counsel is a good thing. And if, you know, living by the mantra opposing counsel is not your friend, then, then, you know, what is the correct mindset for parties going through divorce or family law litigation? And again, we're speaking generally, okay? Every case is different. Every circumstance is different. And so we're speaking very generally, not specifically. And parties do need to speak to an attorney about their particular situation uh, but again, the correct mindset and the thing never to forget is the other attorney is in essence a paid advocate uh, for your adverse, you know, adversary in the litigation. So if it's your spouse at divorce, they're a paid advocate for your spouse. If it's your ex-spouse in some uh, post-divorce proceedings, right, this is a paid advocate. Uh, for your ex-spouse, if it's some other kind of litigation, you know, where there's another opposing party, uh, again, uh, the other lawyer is a paid advocate uh, for your opponent in the litigation. So, so never fall into the mindset of thinking the other attorney is your friend, uh, that the other attorney uh, is going to see it your way uh, in the litigation. I mean, the reality is this: is that practically speaking. Uh, you're probably never going to convince the opposing counsel that you're correct, that you're right, uh, that your perspective uh, is, in fact, the correct perspective, let's say, because you have to keep in mind, again, the other attorney is a paid advocate, but not only that, you have to understand the other attorney has probably spent a lot of time talking to the other party, right? And so as an attorney, I can tell you, you know, it can become easy uh, to become sympathetic uh, for part for a lawyer to become sympathetic to their own client, right? They've heard their client's perspective, they've heard their client's tale, you know, they've heard it over and over and over and over again. Even if they were able to separate the fact that they're paid advocate for their client and they actually have an ethical duty to advocate for their client, no matter what, even if um, uh, they might, you know, even if they don't necessarily agree with their client's uh, perspective, they still got to advocate for their client. Uh, as long as they're doing it in a truthful and accurate way. Uh, but you have to understand it's easy for an attorney to become sympathetic to their client, right? They've heard their client's tale for weeks and months, maybe years, right? So you have to understand, you know, in a deposition and in, in interrogatories and in, in discovery, it's going to be very difficult to convince the opposing attorney uh, that you're right, that you, uh, you're correct, and that their client's position is not right and doesn't have merit. There's a natural tendency for an attorney to want to believe their client, all right? So it's just not a good mentality to think you're going to convince the opposing attorney. And it's not the way to go in most instances. Again, uh, if you're in a, in a deposition, you've got to answer the questions truthfully and accurately. 
got to respond to discovery truthfully and accurately. In settlement negotiations, you have to give enough information to try to get the case settled. But if you fall into the mindset that you're going to convince the other attorney, uh, you're probably just setting yourself up to fail, and you're probably just over-divulging, and you might be opening rabbit holes and pass in the case uh, that you didn't want to necessarily have to go down because you're over-divulging, and then the other attorney might want to investigate these paths. It could make it more complicated. So, again, speak to an attorney about your specific situation, and remember, in terms of who you want to convince, uh, that you're correct, that you're right, that your position has merit. Well, obviously, if your case goes to trial, what the judge thinks matters a whole lot, right? So convincing the judge who's a, a neutral, right, who's a neutral in the circumstance who's been designated to hear a case, that's going to matter. If you have kids and you have a guardian ad litem, what the guardian ad litem thinks matters, right? You do want to care about that. But in terms of the opposing attorney, the opposing counsel, uh, truly that should be a, of almost no concern to you. Obviously, you don't want to irritate them, aggravate them, make them mad just to do so. But at the same time, uh, opposing counsel is not your friend. So don't forget it in divorce and family law litigation. Again, as a follow-up to the episode, going over to familylawheadquarters.com, read the article titled Don't Try to Convince Opposing Counsel. It will be a good follow-up to the episode today. We appreciate you all tuning in. Stay tuned to our next episode coming up on Family Law Talk. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Family Law Talk with Kirk Stangy. Visit StangyLawFirm.com for more about today's topic or to put Stangy Law Firm to work for your family today. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri or Illinois reviews or approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The information you obtained in this podcast is not, nor is it intended to be, legal advice. You should consult an attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. We invite you to contact us and welcome your calls, letters, and electronic mail. Contacting us does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please do not send any confidential information to us until such time as an attorney-client relationship has been established. Past results afford no guarantee of future results, and every case is different and must be judged on its own merits. Kirk Stangy is responsible for the content. Headquarters, Office 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450, Clayton, Missouri, 63105. Kirk Stangy is licensed in Missouri, Illinois, and Kansas.